Magical customer experiences don't happen by accident. They happen through careful planning and meticulous design. Kevin and Debbie have been engineering extraordinary customer experiences for over 30 years. Join us as we explore corporate culture, branding, service excellence, and much more through storytelling, technical curiosity, and friendly conversation. The Disney way for the digital age will be revealed. Well, welcome back to episode three of The Disney Way for the Digital Age. I'm Kevin Kelly and my partner in crime here, Debbie Zemarinsky. How are you doing, Deb? I'm doing great. Welcome, everybody. It's nice to be back. Uh, we're doing a little weekend recording for a change, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. I got out this morning, got out on the bike. I am sorely out of shape, got out on the bike and did a little run. I have a race next month that I am not prepared for, but uh, so I'm wow. a little bit tired. I, I, I admire that. You know, I, I admire that. I I get my most steps when I uh, go to my dad's and run all around for him. But other oh, than I that... Bet. <laughs> and next week I'm going to head over. I'm going to be in your neck of the woods, so we're going to have to get together. I'm going to be in Orlando for that's the right. uh, the high tech yeah. uh, expo. That's the hospitality technology yeah. uh, expo. I'm excited to you know walk through the expo and and see some of the folks I know. And I don't know if folks know that um, we do uh, technology installations and design for uh, for hospitality brands. So worked for um, Hard Rock Hotel. We build their chatbot and their voice experience and. Mm-hmm. Alexa in the room and what she can do and say and help and fix your fix your toilet or at least tell someone you need to fix your toilet or tell you where the best burger is and fun stuff like that. So, um, well, and, but you have to be careful. I I have a, a a psychic friend of mine who says that Alexas are portals and can let bad things in. So I you know I just I thought we wow. should. Stop. All of the possibilities of what Alexa can do for you or to you. <laughs> yeah, I guess she doesn't have Amazon stock. Jeez. I, I don't know. More, <laughs> not. more and more often, I find my Alexa butting in. We haven't even said her wake up name. And she'll just butt into the conversation. And She's kind of like Cliff Clavin on Cheers. It's a little creepy. I, I just tell her to mind her own business and she'll know when we're talking to her. <laughs> Well, she's kind of like Cliff Clavin on Cheers. She tells you a random fact. You know, it's a little known fact that the ancient Incas used flowers to build their huts. In the, uh, and this is where, you know, uh, uh, technology gets a bit like the Terminator, you know, gets a little scary. They're taking over. When I tell my kids, I say, be nice to Alexa, you know, yeah, so say thank you. Because she may be your master someday. someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as you know, my dad has the... Uh, remote senior care yeah he had his echo show and oh my gosh he said it's like his best friend at home and he'll he'll thank her for something and she does the she does a little dance like the screen dances back and forth <laughs> he goes around thanking her just to watch her do the little dance <laughs> it's so nice yeah, yeah. yeah. it's kind of like raj on big bang you know wanting to date siri so <laughs> Yeah, we've well, all gone a little nuts. <laughs> yeah, so I think we have some of that in our in our um, topics today. But uh, to recap where we left off and jump in, so we were talking about we did talk about three pillars that support an extraordinary uh, customer experience, brand, mm-hmm. culture, and technology. And then we got into but didn't finish uh, the six questions you need to to ask to assess your culture and design a plan for success. So we did get through the first three, and I'll run down them and then. T- turn it over to you, Deb. So we did right. get through on, on episode two. If you didn't, 
you didn't see uh, listen to that one, you can jump back and, and hear uh, we covered looking at who we are today, taking a careful look at that and being honest with yourself and defining what's working now. So taking a good look at what's working and then looking at what not again, an honest assessment at what's not working and, and or what's missing. Mm-hmm. So and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Deb, for number four. And and the, the first three questions to ask yourself about your company, your culture, are very specifically to get the information that you need to make bit good decisions about what will it take to move you forward. Right. So you don't waste money and time on fixing things that don't need to be fixed and laser focusing on those things that need your real attention and resources. So the fourth question to ask yourself when you are assessing your culture is what will it take to, to move us forward? Uh, and in general, you want to understand what you look like today, as we said a moment ago, but also what will we look like tomorrow if we're successful, if we're delivering exceptional service, if the business is growing, um, if you know we're improving our bottom line, improving our market share, what will we look like tomorrow? And what's it going to take to get us there? And um, so... I'll just give you a quick example. I'm working with a client right now, a concrete company, um, actually. And this company did a great job of answering those first three questions. They are in a kind of a unique position for today, and they are growing by leaps and bounds and they're getting ready to build two new plants. Wow. But they were also struggling with giving exceptional service today, much of that because of what everyone else is facing, labor shortages, um, right. supply chain shortages. And so they did a great job of asking those three questions, you know, and and who are we, where do we want to be, and what's working and what's not working. And what they were able to focus on is that actually their customer service rankings, they're probably in the 90 percentile most of the time. Their customers are very loyal. They do a fantastic job. They're a family-owned company, and they have a great reputation. But they felt like they were losing control. Mm. They didn't have enough help. They've been very, very busy, you know, with all of the the issues that we just we just discussed. What they were able to identify is what it was going to take to move them forward is certainly some new technology. Uh, I know a little bit about the concrete business now, probably more than I ever expected to know. Uh, Uh, But their chemist is working on new technology to create more customized mixes and to be able to deliver those quicker and more efficiently. One example is something as simple as buying a front porch truck to replace the back poor trucks. And, I, you know, I know you all aren't in the concrete business more than <laughs> likely, but the difference is with a back poor truck, you've probably seen them out and about in your towns or cities. Yeah, uh, They unload, they unfold this big chute and pour the concrete out. The chute has to be manhandled. It has to be held steady and, and so forth. A front pour truck is a uh, more or less a stationary chute and the concrete comes out and it takes one less person to actually do the job, uh-huh. which is actually a benefit to the customer because the customer is the one that has to hold the chute, pour the, pour the concrete. Those guys that are finishers do, that do that amazing job of bending over all day long with a two by four and scraping the yeah, concrete smooth. Out. Yeah. So this allows the customer 
to use one less person on the job and they can reallocate their resources someplace else. So it's not technology like we normally think. Right, right. But it's, it's a great example. But it is new technology. It's not screens and circuit boards. It's, you know, but it is certainly technology <laughs> that, you know, new- that innovation that has has reduced your human resource needs. It, absolutely right. So the the idea of technology, you know, earlier in, in episode two, we said the question is, do you need technology? And if you decide that you do, how much do you need? And then exactly what is that? Right. Focus on the technology that's going to be the most beneficial for you, as this concrete company did, and get the most bang for their buck. The other thing that they identified um, that involves some new technology as well is that with the labor shortages, they have to be sure that they get the right people on the job first time. They really cannot afford this revolving door of labor. So they identified that as they've grown so rapidly, they did not have a good process in place for right fit recruiting, interviewing, and hiring Mm. right fit folks. They also promote their folks from within almost 100%. And they've had to figure out a way to identify just because a person is a great operations manager, does that mean that they'd be a great leader? Right. And if they're promoting these folks into these positions or even hiring from the outside, they had to identify what training do they need? Do they, do they need additional operational training? Do they need people skills training? Do they need right fit hiring training? Uh, So they have really focused on, bringing training and orientation to the forefront, not only for their front line that they're hiring, making sure that they understand the new service framework and how to deliver exceptional service, but also making sure their leaders understand how to be great leaders and lead people, which of course improves retention. Right. So by doing those three steps so uh, thoroughly and diligently, they have been able to really identify those things that are going to give them the best bang for their buck. And it has been, for the most part, focused on the people part of their business. Yeah, that's so important and very often, um, I don't want to say overlooked, but not the right amount of attention um, and, and planning is typically put forth, right? Honestly, I think I would say that the people part of the business is often one of the most overlooked. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're working on their product, right? They've they're yes. working on new trucks and technology. And new but products people... to compete and innovative products to compete and uh, the growth and the bottom line. But they often skip one of the most important parts, and that is the people side of the business. Right. And most of our businesses, they're, you're not the only one. There's somebody else. And I realize that in the agency world. Boy, there's a ton of great agencies out there. Mm-hmm. And um, typically what we found that people, people stay for the people. Yeah. We, we had that large electronics company that had a, uh, uh, they, they were distributors. So their co- competition was distributing the exact same products, but mm-hmm. they, they liked Bill, right? And that's what we found. It's like, well, Bill knows my business. Bill knows what I need. I might go in for, you know, this kind of wire and these speakers and, uh, and this controller. And Bill's, Bill says, well, have you tried this one? Because I, I know what you're trying to get done. So it's the people and, and how knowledgeable and how well they're trained yes. to fit the culture, right? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so often overlooked. And so an extension of that right fit hire, uh, I just want to expound on that, is that um, th- to continue that process once you've hired someone and have a review process that's aligned with that uh, culture. So you've you've right fit hired for the culture. Are, are you reviewing for the culture? And that means 
what are you reviewing against? And I actually, I would dread review times. I, I just don't, because I think we didn't have a good process. <laughs> right. Once I realized that what we're really doing is reviewing people against purpose statement or what you folks probably more, uh, we'll talk about purpose statement, standards of service, standards of behavior in the future episode um, as a real foundational elements, but you more familiar with a mission statement, vision statement. Are you reviewing against these established standards for your company? Um, and right. <laughs> we ask that question and folks very often answer, well, we don't have a mission statement. It's like Mary put one up on the wall that she liked about two years ago and people look at it occasionally. <laughs> And it, and it no longer has anything to do with our business. <laughs> exactly. So, that, so. That, that's something I, we got to write down to make sure we get to sooner than later. But, you know, yeah, yeah, once well. you hire these folks, you need to review them. And then you need to understand how they feel about your business, right? Yeah. You know, they, they, they typically don't leave for money. They leave for uh, a lack of understanding of where your company's going. Uh, they may not like their direct report. So mm -hmm. getting these folks and keeping these folks. And it's also such a big hit to the bottom line. When you turn people over, it is costly in so many different ways. So I, I can't stress enough the right fit hire and, and the idea of, of real strategic uh, review process. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that the along with that and because we honestly believe so many companies overlook the people side of the business and what's needed there always we seem to look at the customers the question is and this comes with question five do we really understand who our core customers are right. and what their real needs are many companies make policies and procedures around what will help them to run the business efficiently but don't always think about what the impact will be on the employees and on the the core customer. And with many companies that I've worked with, I will ask them about the core customer, what are their needs and their, and their wants? Then I will go out and ask the customers what their needs and wants are. I think you mentioned this in one of the first episodes is doing roundtables or, or sur you know surveys or interviews with customers. So first I ask the client, what do you believe are the core customers' needs and wants? They give me a list of things, and then I talk to the customers, and and I can honestly tell you, uh, they miss the mark uh, quite often. Yeah, and they will say, "Well, our customers want this," and when the customer I talk to them, they often say, "Well, we don't care about that. This is what we care <laughs> about," and it's not that they are terrible businesses; it's that we get preconceived ideas about right. what our customers want, unless we ask the customer specifically. We don't really know more more than likely. So understanding your core customers is critically important. And then we've just sort of already touched on this. Where does technology fit within our culture, if at all? And what type of technology and how much and how, yeah. how are we going to make it work, right? Yeah. I just want to jump back to um, question five real quick, because do we, do we understand our core customers, right? So mm. I think we've all heard the term voice of the customer. Um, you know, it's really easy to get the voice of your customer if you ask them, right? Surveys, I don't want to over, oversimplify it. Surveying your customers can be can be scary and time consuming, but I think most folks don't do it out of fear of finding out something that they don't want to hear. Um, and I'll say this, as I say with a lot of things, it is better to know than not to know. Always. Always. <laughs> you know? Always. So, um, 
do a, you know, create a survey, go to SurveyMonkey, you know, spend a hundred bucks if it's even that, you know, and, and send, email it out to your customer base, ask some questions. Um, you can get a professional to help you with it. And very often you can spend an hour with your, your executive team and come up with five, you know, questions. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't ask less than five, wouldn't ask more than 10, um, make it easy. And then, you know, give them something. You got, you do have to incent people to give you information. So whether it's everybody gets a $20 or $10 Starbucks card, or, you know, you're in a drawing for a $500 Amazon card to find out what your customers are thinking. Or if you're in the kind of business where you speak to your customers, you know, the next phone call, ask them, how are we doing? You know, what, what, what could we be doing better? So simple. Um, I say, keep it simple. Uh, you know, honestly, just like what you said, Kevin, you're on the phone with a customer. Maybe you're fixing a problem or maybe just gathering information, but just simply throwing out there. How are we doing? Be honest. What would you like for us to do differently? Um, so it, th- that's important. And, you know, I always tell you this example. And then you sent me some new information today. So this little story lends itself to how once the customer gets a preconceived notion, you may not sway them. And when McDonald's first rolled out their self-service kiosks, I felt like they were the most difficult things on the planet to use. You couldn't substitute items. If I was going to order something exactly as it was on the menu, it was a piece of cake. If I wanted to substitute an iced tea for a soda, or say I don't want pickles on my cheeseburger. <laughs> um, it, it, there was just no way to do it. And at first they put people out there to help you and then they stopped doing that. Yeah. And every time I went in, I just glared at that machine and went and got in line. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I just did not like using it. And to this day, I have a very negative opinion of that. So maybe when they first rolled it out, they rolled it out quickly and didn't make it as user-friendly or think about accommodating all of the customer's needs. And obviously, according to the data, I think that data showed these types of self-service kiosks have resulted in a 30% increase in sales, and which is amazing. So, you know, when I I, I go in, I won't use it because I had such a frustrating experience in the beginning. And so I just ignore it and I go and I, I get in line. But obviously, they've done some due diligence around what is the frustration with customers? Sure. Why aren't they using this? Well, I think we they're depending on a little self-selection, right? You tried it, yes. not your thing. I got, you know, there's there's now three uh, three folks at, uh, up front that you can order directly with the people, right? So right. Um, maybe there was six before the kiosk. So, you know, that's the other thing. Um, these jobs are getting harder, harder and harder to fill. And honestly, you know, um, when you talk about spending more through the kiosk, um, remember, uh, would you like fries with that? Is the butt of a joke, you know, for most people that want a <laughs> low-level job, you know. <laughs> Upsell. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. What does a drummer? What does a drummer say when you see him at work? He says, "Would you like fries with that?" So one of my many drummers' jokes. But anyway, being a drummer, I've heard them all. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is. It's kind of a fact, and I remember um, one of our favorite people, Clara DeSoto, who's now over at Google. Deb, when we were at South by Southwest, she said. Right. Uh, and here's Alex, a millennial who reminisces that his parents at 27 were married with kids. 
But Alex lives in mom's basement and prefers to order pizza online so I don't have to ever interact with a human. <laughs> so, but funny as it may be, it's a real persona. So if that is X percent of your customers, we'll then give them technology. If, your cust- if you figure 90% of your customers are just, they just don't want to deal with it, um, then, you make, then you make a different choice. So mm-hmm. yeah, understanding your core customers and adjusting your business to them. Um, the last thing I'll say on that topic, as a, as a guy who was in branding and, and, and uh, brand development for 25 years, I heard so many times the either CEO or president say, I think this should be our tagline. And I, you know, our customer is this. And I, I think the campaign should be this. I said, that's great, but you're not the customer. Right. So, you know, the fact that you think that I I want you to have a voice, obviously, it's your business and you have a vision, but let's understand the customer and understand what they want. And then we'll build a campaign that resonates with them. Mm -hmm. Right. So important to understand your core customer. And then, yeah, you know, this idea of where where does technology fit in is that last question. Um, And as um, it's so aptly tied in to the people. In, mm-hmm. in your example, right? So technology fits in not to replace all your human folks taking orders, but to augment and maybe also solve your your people problem. So mm-hmm. absolutely, also very integrated. Yes, indeed. Okay, so before we wrap up, there's a couple things I want to comment on about your example, the the concrete company. You know, it's great to see that example with a company that has rapid growth, right? But mm-hmm. you said there's a little little bit of chaos. It sounds like so somebody had told me there's this cycle of growth, and chaos comes right after growth. Maybe we could put the the graphic up on the website. But this idea of you have this rapid growth, and you don't have time to put structure in place as you're, you're just dealing with the growth, right? Yeah. And from that comes chaos. So this, in this cycle, you go from growth to chaos, and then you've recognized that you're in a bit of a chaos mode. Now you've got to do some analysis and examination of what's going on. And then you add some additional structure, whether that's in the form of policies and procedures of people, technology, right? And then believe it or not, after that, well, then what comes next? More growth. So you have to recognize that, yeah, this is going to be a cycle, right? We don't just yes. grow and then everything's great. Typically, growth begets chaos. (laughs) So uh, that's something that I think uh, sometimes scares people. And I just wanted to reassure them that's kind of normal. So that's kind of, you know, this chaos is is somewhat normal. It's it's very normal. And the, the idea that growth, especially rapid growth, creates chaos is absolutely true. The question is, can you keep control of the chaos? Right. Because companies that grow so rapidly that they lose complete control, uh, that can be a death sentence. Yep. And one day they're on top of the world and all new, new customers are coming in, but they can't service them and they haven't figured out how to get control of that. And then I've next thing it. you know, customers are defecting saying, well, they used to be great and now they're not so great yep. anymore. And I think we've seen it. I think we talked about this offline um, once. The, uh, the the Verizons of the world, or my, you know, up here in the Northeast, Cablevisions of the world, they, yeah. their service was horrible. And then they recognized it and they got, got better. And then they got more people signing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was garbage again, you know, and this right. idea that you really need to, to monitor it as it happens. Well, that means that when you're planning for growth, you have to 
plan for potential chaos, try to identify whatever chaos might come along. In other words, where are our sticking points? If we continue to grow like this, we're going to have to hire more people. People are not readily available. How are we going to address that? So you've also got to be able to pre-plan for the future so right. that you can mitigate the chaos and continue to grow and give exceptional service. Customers don't care you're having a tough time. <laughs> they don't. You know, if you've ever been into a restaurant and it takes forever to get you seated and then the, the waitress finally comes up after making you sit for 20 minutes and says, oh, I'm really sorry. We're really shorthanded today. And yeah. we had four call-ins. I don't care. I want <laughs> I want yeah. to order my food. I want my food. I want to get home before 9 p.m. Okay. Right, right. So companies can't tell customers, oh, gee, it's really tough now, you know. They don't care. They want what they want when they want it. So that is true. Although I am a little more tolerant. I'm a little more tolerant because I've felt. Well, I think those of us that work in this business are because we work with people who are going through this and we help them get through it. So people like us are, and I'm more tolerant in a restaurant because I used to be a server. (laughs) That's true. So I, you know, back in the day, long time ago, galaxy far, (laughs) far away. I used to be a server and I understand what it's like to do that job, but a lot of people don't and a lot of people don't care, right? Probably why you were so successful in food services at Disney. I know you spent a a little time there too. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So last thing I want to say, and then we got to sign off um, uh, for this episode is you mentioned something about question four, what will it take us to move forward? And you mentioned this idea of um, recognizing what you want to be, what you want to look like down the road. And I think it's really important to, to go through that exercise. A lot of people think that's, oh, that's, you know, hippy dippy stuff with the vision boards. And But if you don't know mm-hmm. who you want to be and what that end game looks like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're ever going to get there. Right? Yeah. Like, you get in the car, you don't know where you're going and what, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm driving to the restaurant and I can't wait to eat. You know, it really does help that vision to come true if it's written down and if it, I don't, it doesn't need to be up on a wall maybe it's that's your thing too that's fine but you've got to have a clear vision of right where you want to arrive and what that's going to look like and that vision you you if you remember at disney institute we talked a lot about vision right yeah and that vision has to be very precise and full of details when i ask a client where do you want to be in the future and they will tell me i want to open four more stores Okay, that's great. (laughs) But what does that look like? And we ask people, when you are envisioning who you are in the future, what is it that will drive that pie in the sky success? So if you can envision your ultimate success, what will it look like and what will it take to get you there? Right. It's more specific than we want to open four more stores. Right, right, right. Um, so that vision is incredibly important. And just as you said, Kevin, if you don't have a clear vision, it's probably going to be impossible to move forward. Yep, absolutely. So that brings us to our greatest piece of advice you'll ever get. Always just (laughs) slightly better than the last episode, because I guess that's how it would have to be to be the greatest piece. But it's really a summary of of, of what we've gone through today. And I think um, we could sum it up today in, in, in saying that we really encourage you to look at technology as an integrated and primary piece of the solutions 
for your business challenges and and a big part of your way forward. So um, you're not going to only examine technology, but surely include it in all of your your business challenges. You know, does technology play a part in solving this problem? And and that's the key question. And as you are assessing your your organization to move forward, you should be asking yourself. You know, what do we want to look like in the future? Certainly. And at every sticking point, once you've done a good job of assessing, you will know where your sticking points are, whether they are with the employees or with your processes, your policies, your procedures or your customers. If at those sticking points, you identify every touch point. So in other words, if, if my sticking point is I don't have the right people on the job, then they are touch points with my customers and how might that damage us? So yeah. ask yourself at every touch point, what are, what are my pain points? What are, what are our sticking points? And then that will be followed up with the question, how do we solve this and where does technology fit in, if at all? And if you ask that for every single sticking point, you will figure out where technology fits, what to invest your money in, and where you just need some good old-fashioned cultural redesign, you know? (laughs) That's right. Policies, procedure changes, or whatever. Exactly. Well, that's great. That's a wrap. Tune in next week when we talk about demystifying brand. And um, we are excited to talk to you about that. Um, We've somewhat demystified culture and we're going to move on to brand and how these two things work together. So we look forward to seeing you on the next episode next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. You've been listening to the Disney way for the digital age. Our producer and engineer is Stephen Byram, show coordinator Taryn Pre-Trahan, and voiceover by Cindy Clifford. Kevin and Debbie can be reached for free advice or paid consulting at Kevin at DisneyWayDigital.com or Debbie at DisneyWayDigital.com. A new episode is released each Tuesday morning. We hope you continue to listen.